Hello everybody, it is Rowan Horncastle here and it's a bit of a different and special episode of the Top Gear Magazine podcast because it's just me today. Um, I'm on a bit of a special mission. I'm currently in China. In fact, I'm in Guangzhou for the 21st Guangzhou Motor Show. But not just that, I'm in China, looking behind the curtain a bit, it's Chinese manufacturers and the Chinese car industry, as you may have seen from the rise of MGs flooding London and various other names and makes and models that you probably can't recognise or don't know. The growth from the Chinese market has been absolutely huge. So I've flown over here as a bit of a reconnaissance mission to kind of see what's going on and um, I have to say it's been absolutely fascinating. The last time I was in China was pre-Pandy, that's the pandemic, we won't even get started with that uh, while here. It was a bit like looking into a crystal ball of the future and in the last four years, five years, the change that's been seen within the Chinese car industry has been absolutely monstrous. Uh, the increase of tech, battery technology, and just how they're starting to poach uh, individuals and talent from traditional legacy car brands and bring them to their new Chinese brands has been super interesting. And just a case in point, I arrived here in a taxi with no one driving it. It was fully autonomous, driving on the roads of Guangzhou, which you know, we've been seeing uh, autonomous cars going viral on Twitter and various other places for failing in San Francisco and places they're being tested by Waymo and crews who've just lost their license. You know, American roads are a lot simpler. Here, it's absolute carnage. You constantly have mopeds going the wrong way. None of the lanes have marked. And I had no one, literally no one in the driver's seat. But it got me here smoothly uh, and in silence. So it was the best Uber driver in the world. But I just thought I would walk around this Guangzhou Motor Show and tell you what I see, basically. There's going to be a lot of brands that I either mispronounce or don't even know. And annoyingly, a lot of them just have Chinese symbols on the back. So I can't even pretend and lie to you that I know what they are. But this place is vast. I've got my shoes on, which are bound to give me blisters. But let's go on a bit of a blister tour and I'll walk you around. Because it just may be of interest and it may just enlighten you slightly as to uh, some of the names and brands which should probably come into our shores quite soon. But let's walk in and it's quite old school. I've got to remember this is like a, uh, a mode show of old. It's very busy. I'm not here on a press day. There's no manufacturer holding hand to support me. I'm all alone, but it's absolutely rammed and it's been going on for seven days. So prepare things to get noisy. I'm actually walking through a curtain of cigarette smoke indoors. Uh, it's like the 1998 Frankfurt Motor Show, really, but I've walked straight into BYD. Build your dreams. Uh, okay, that's the first uh, manufacturer name that may cause you to either laugh or cringe. There's plenty more to come, but BYD is a force of nature. It is the top and biggest uh, domestic car brand here and sells as many EVs as Tesla. So you may not have seen one or be aware of them, but they are absolutely massive. They're actually, their market value is higher than BMW, Ford, Mercedes, and Volkswagen. All those big German brands that we know are small in comparison to these, and we're seeing a lot of them coming to people like BYD for A, help, and B, to help sell cars in China because if you are a Western brand, you have to partner and go into a joint venture with a Chinese domestic brand uh, to be able to sell cars here. 
But also, I think from what I've learned so far, once the uh, the normal brands as we see them have joined forces with a Chinese brand, they see what technology they have and how advanced they are, I think, really. Uh, it's been really quite impressive. But we should talk about cars because I now on the stand with the funky music, bright lights, all the kind of furniture you see at uh, motor shows, including girls in high heels, in tight dresses, with a crowd of men with very expensive telephoto lenses and flashes taking pictures of them. Uh, some things just don't change. Anyway, where should we begin? Let's begin with the BYD Dolphin. Yes, the Dolphin. Gone are the three series of the world, C-Class, E-Classes and other names. With BYD you get two options. You either get cars that are named after Chinese dynasties, like Hun, or you get the Marine line, which is the passenger cars. And there you've got the Dolphin, the Seal, and the, uh, oh, the Seagull, that well-known marine life that uh, nicks your chips and is a bit noisy uh, if you're hungover and wake up on a Sunday morning and live by the seaside. But anyway, these, these cars are coming to Europe now, and they are really interesting. BYD is expected to be the biggest EV brand soon, and the Dolphin is currently in the UK. We didn't really rate it too highly on uh, topgear.com. You can go on there and read the review now. I think it was a little four out of 10. But the, the Seal is kind of an Ionic 6 rival. And then the Seagull is a super cheap 10,000 uh, pound city car, which when you look at the equipment in it is absolutely huge uh, in comparison to others. They all feature a as everything nowadays, a large touchscreen, which BYD, uh, you can twizzle and press a button between uh, landscape and portrait. And being in China, you could watch TikTok on it while you drive. Considering that is more addictive than heroin uh, to younger generations, probably a bit of a safety issue there. But, you know, for this 10,000 pound car, which, um, has been styled by a former member of Lamborghini's design fraternity, complete with a Ventador-esque alloys, even though they are 14 inches uh, big. You know, has a bit of a sharper appeal than a lot of Chinese cars, but also it's incredibly well-equipped like other things. You may be able to hear the sound of lapping waves behind. So remember, the marine-based cars. But we'll move on and we're still on the BYD stand. Uh, when I say we, I'm not here with Jack Ricks. Uh, it's just me, myself, and I. But what I have also noticed in my learnings of the Chinese car uh, industry, they're all then uh, creating sub-brands or new brands within the mothership where, you know, traditionally you just have model lines. Um, I'm now at Yang Wang, which is, again, Sniggers at the back, their luxury offering. And we have the U8, which is a ultra uh, kind of premium for the BYD brand off-roader. Now, if you Google the Yangwang U8, you will see that it has a remarkable similarity to a Jaguar Land Rover product called the Defender. All the way down to, if I'm looking at the front three-quarter angle now, everything behind the headlights uh, is basically near enough identical. And also to the ladder and the lunchbox and the roof box that you get on the side. But unlike a Defender, 
This one is a hybrid and it has 1200 horsepower. Yes, 1200 horsepower. It's got independent electric motors on every wheel so it can do tank turns and be scramble up off-road like nothing else, apparently. We haven't actually tested it yet. But also has a hidden party trick in the fact that it can float. Up to 30 minutes, they say it's only for emergency scenarios, but considering the car weighs 3.5 tons, that's quite the party piece. And we've got to be honest, we would love to have a go into these cars and test them in an environment that, you know, we don't traditionally see Chinese cars in. There's beautiful scenery to be uh, to, to go and explore in China. So hopefully we can get a go in one of these and do 0-60 in under four seconds in something that weighs three and a half tons, looks like a Defender, and floats. And then next to that is the Yangwang U9, which is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It is a fully electric supercar, and unlike anything else in your pack of top trumps, of its abilities. This is something that a Pagani, a Lamborghini, or any other supercar in that, in that matter can do. It can jump. Yes, this car is running hydraulics, and with the press of a button, you can make it do a bunny hop, because everyone needs that, but it's a party trick. That's not its only party trick. The other party trick is that it can, for some reason we don't really know, roll around on three wheels. So where lowriders used to be in Parlors in Compton, they are now supercars that can do 0-60 sub three seconds and jump in Beijing or roll around on three wheels. Right, so that's Yang Wang. Ah, their other brand, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but I do know what it translates as. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Formula Leopard. Yeah, Formula Leopard and the Bow 5, which is a, uh, well, it's an off-roader, it's an SUV, and I can't help but see similarities between that and the Ford Bronco. Again, I don't know why, quite why we need to separate uh, all these brands off into sub-brands. Uh, it makes it quite confusing, if I'm honest. And when you're trying to bring new brands to new markets, Time uh, helps with legacy and familiarity, God, that's a long word, to consumers. So constantly making new brands, which you then have to communicate what they are, uh, could be a bit tricky. Now I'm moving to another stand of a company I have no idea of, but there is a K car, which is called the Mini EV. It's running some Ray's race, forged race alloys, which are so small, they're 13 inches, that they look hilarious. However, this has a high side that comes up to my nipples and is a convertible car the size of a smart car, but has doors the size that would go on a Hummer EV. So there are lots and lots of weird and wacky cars here, I have to say. In fact, just to give you a sense of scale for the Mocho, I think there's 1,200 cars here, so where European motor shows have been kind of dwindling and thinning out, you know, the Geneva Motor Show, the anchor point for a lot of the European market, has now kind of diminished and gone overseas and will be back again next year, but people aren't really bothered about them. Here, it is absolutely heaving as we walk through 
and there's Maxus, again part of the BYD chain, would have seen a few of those in uh, delivery vans, and then onto MG, where it's very loud, and they've got the Cyberster. Uh, if you haven't seen this, this is actually quite intriguing. It's the two-wheel sports car, all-electric sports car, um, and considering that MG4s and MG5s are flooding London can, because of their benefit with the getting around the congestion charger, etc., and being an affordable EV, you've got to think that this is probably the best-looking Chinese car that I've seen. It could tempt people in. What's it done for the MG badge? Well, it's given it a new life. We've seen that happen with a lot of, um, you know, old manufacturers who were slightly dying out, getting a bit wheezy. Uh, Chinese money and investment has helped uh, give them another life. We've seen it with Lotus, which I'll probably stumble upon soon, and uh, others. Look what it's done to Volvo. It's been pretty remarkable. Getting away from that noise and into another hall. It is busy AF and uh, there's lots and lots of people sitting down, again smoking, really quite not used to that, and uh, there's street sellers, um, like you're in a, a market somewhere offering me, what is that, key rings. No, I don't need one of those, thank you sir though. Anyway, we will move on. And uh, in front of me is another brand that I have no idea of, but there is Water wall MPVs. Ah, that is a good point. MPVs. We need to bring them back. They are very, and they're, you know, considering China foreshadows everything that's going else in the industry, I think, MPVs are going to be back in a big way. They are, you know, the ultimate way to travel because you can just put massive interiors, massive seats in them, and travel in luxury. And considering everything's going autonomous, interiors of cars are going to become more and more important. And if you just want to sit back and relax, uh, there's no better place than an MPV. But they're big, big business here. Uh, you see them everywhere. And um, the, the Lexus LM is the closest thing that we're probably going to get uh, in Europe. But there's lots of Chinese manufacturers doing it too. As I go past the Jet Tour, Jet Tour also. If you want to Google those, it is another Land Rover Defender ripoff. They do say that uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Here, at this auto show, is an IP lawyer's dream. There is plenty to get tucked into legally, as the design inspiration has been very much taken from Jaguar Land Rover. I'm a bit lost now, but you get lost in slightly homogenous design styling, I have to be honest. The kind of Model S style of uh, not radical curvature and general design has been taken wholesale in many cars here. And if you want to be start a, a car company in China, you basically get something of that shape, put a full width front headlight bar on it, a big screen, a speaker system that looks exactly like a Mercedes or Audi, Burmester or B&O system that pops out of the dash, and then you're pretty much good to go. Give it a, <clears throat> a good range of, say, 300 miles, and uh, Bob's your uncle, you've started a car company. It's just then how we will receive them, how you price it, that makes them sell. 
And uh, anyway, that's the end of that haul. I will uh, keep walking and see if there's anything else that I see. And I'll see you in a bit when I find another manufacturer. Right, I'm back. You join me again. Uh, somewhere a bit quieter. We are on the GAC Trumpchi stand. GAC, I'm pretty sure it's not uh, pronounced GAC, which is slang for cocaine. But uh, here we have a selection of uh, small crossovers and then their electric range, which is under the Ion brand. Again, coming to Europe probably in the next year or two. They've got something called interesting called the Hyper SSR. Now, again, this is a hypercar. There's a bit of a general rule. <clears throat> if you're launching a car company in China, you need some headlines to draw people in to start with. So you make a 1200 horsepower, two seat electric hypercar. Uh, it's got gullwing doors. From the profile, it's not too dissimilar in headlight structure to a Ferrari 458. But then those lights come round, LED lights come round as whiskers uh, all the way around the front of the bonnet. And then as you work your way around, it's got a very Pininfarina Batista-esque body and uh, rear lights with two vertical lights at the back and a carbon diffuser. And as I look inside, it's actually got a really quite capacious boot. Inside it's got a yokish wheel, again a big screen, and a thinner letterbox display in front of you. This one's yellow with an orange interior, but where the Batista, which may have helped reference the design, cost two million quid, along with the Lotus Devire and uh, the Rimac Nevera. This one also does 0-60 in 1.9 seconds, costs a tenth of that price. It's, uh, let me do my maths here, it's about $180,000 to get that uh, pace. And you know, looks, looks pretty good if I'm honest. Uh, so that shows how they're willing to disrupt. You know, what, where China are winning is battery technology. And also all the components that you need to make a battery, they all lie here. Critical minerals, you know, when oil is being fought over around the world, everyone's going for EVs, and where you can actually pick those minerals up to make all the batteries, only lie in certain places, one of which is China, where they have a lot of them. Plus. They do the manufacturing, they have the supply chain, the power's in their hands, which is why you're seeing certain companies, uh, there's Xpeng or Xpeng, which I'll try and find later. You know, they've just had $700 million worth of investment from VW. That shows that these, uh, these, uh, these traditional companies that we know are highly, highly interested in what's happening in China but also want access to the battery, battery technology, the supply chain, yeah, and just knowledge. Uh, also on the Aon stand is a car with doors that are very obviously inspired by the Model X, Tesla Model X, the big seven-seat uh, family SUV. They go into the roof uh, to create a spine uh, and raise up Falcon doors, as they are on the X. Don't know 
what the Chinese translation for Falcon is. I won't even try. Uh, and there's two fold-up e-bikes in the back, because that's somewhere else that China is really pushing is that you know last mile journey and anything with a battery they can put in they will make. As I move across from GS GAC GAC uh, to Honda, uh, we've got the new Accord, which is very good looking actually, but also the ENGT concept. I haven't seen this before. It's I think this is quite old. I think it's a few years old this one, but it's all black with huge 23-inch fanned wheels. And if you put a Peugeot badge on this as a concept car, it would work for that. But it's got glass LED uh, signatures all around the front and side. Very, very angular, very futuristic. Will we ever see it in production? Don't know, but it's, uh, it's fantastic to offset the remarkably bland SUVs, which I don't know the name of, that are filling the hall. Uh, as I go on to the next one, it's, uh, who knows what I'll see next. I need to find Lotus. Let me go find Lotus somewhere. And, uh, yeah, let's go find Lotus. Right, I found Lotus. It's very loud. It's like a nightclub uh, in here. But uh, I think when I left you, I left GAC or GAC. I've just passed Jack. JAC. Uh, they make pickup trucks with Jack written on the back of it. One which is obviously inspired by um, Biff's Hilux from Back to the Future. It's black with yellow spotlights on it. None of which are written, uh, have brands that we know like Hella lights on it. These are super lights. Anyway, next to them is Lotus. Right, Lotus. Controversial one. A brand that uh, has been saved by the Chinese which uh, a lot of people will like. We like Lotus, you know, sports cars that are lightweight and made for drivers. Uh, the first thing that we got from them was the massively controversial uh, Electra, which is an SUV, uh, which is heavy, complicated, uh, and full of batteries. Not what we associate with Lotus. However, it's stuff like this which is gonna bring the money in to help keep Lotus going, really. And it is bizarre seeing it on the stand next to the Amira, and I would love to see a lease here, but there's nothing. Uh, it's also worth noting that Lotus is badged slightly different here. It's the Lotus, well, it looks like MYO, but it's pronounced Niao, I think, which is new. Over in China, it's known as New Lotus. But even so, the Electra, big SUV, fast, they're, they're all over 600 horsepower which is mad as numbers go. Uh, you know, 62 miles an hour from a standstill in four seconds, 160 miles top speed. You know, oh, and then there's the Electra R here with this wing popped up. That's 900 horsepower, which is mad. But the uh, next to that is the latest one because where Lotus once had the uh, Geneva Motor where it showed off seven products, with the help of the Chinese, that is very much coming a reality with a new line. Uh, we've got the, um, I don't even know how to spit. Sorry, I got uh, chucked off the stand there. I don't know why, they didn't like my recording, but we're still here with Lotus. And uh, as I was saying that, we were looking at the new Lotus Amir, uh, which is the new Hyper GT set to take on the Porsche Taycan. And um, it's the first four-door Lotus 
since the Carlton, I believe. Uh, but it's got electric power where there's in. It's a twin motor, long four-door, very much looks like it's here to take on the Taycan. Good looking, but they're big. These are big, heavy cars. And yes, they may be fast. I think it's, again, 900 horsepower, 892 horsepower. Lots of torque, 700 foot-pounds of torque. Yeah, performance is one thing, but is that enough to get people involved and back into Lotus? We'll have to see what this drive's like. But yeah, Lotus, very interesting. Got to see what happens um, going forward with them. But let us know in the comments on the, on the podcast, if you're in Spotify, let's fire out the question. Are you a fan of um, new Lotus, Lotus Niao? Yes or no? And let us know more. Uh, I'm going to go and A, get a glass of water because I have to shout over lots and lots of people. Maybe some compede for my blister and uh, maybe some delightful food, which I don't have any clue what it may be. Uh, and I will try and find some more exciting Chinese cars, which will probably be another 10,000 steps away. Uh, actually, as I walk into the the, the main hall area, you can see a huge, it's probably about 60 foot advertising billboard for the Volvo EM90. This is the new MPV from Volvo. As I was saying earlier, we had an, uh, a whole hall here full of Mercedes, Denzers, Chinese, uh, I think BYD's brand of MPVs. Uh, and others, if you want luxury travel, there's nothing better than an MPV. And Volvo are getting tucked into it too. Uh, it's got the same lights as the uh, EX30, their new small hatchback, electric hatch, but it's got six huge captain's chairs in it. And I think this is the Volvo, you know, XC90s was the, the, the choice of a family wagon a few years ago. Could the EM90 be the uh, minivan and family car of the future? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, I'm going to keep walking and uh, see where we get to. Right, you now join me in a quieter hall. Uh, there's no heaving waves of uh, Chinese people. I've got to be honest, I am the only Westerner here, I do believe. But I am in a hall now where I recognize the logos on the front of the cars. Uh, in front of me are four familiar rings. We are at Audi. Yes, Audi, you may be wondering why I'm here in China. This is important because I'm stood in front of a rather large SUV called the Audi Q6. You know, oh, Rowan, you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. There isn't a Q6. Yes, there is. In the Chinese market, you know, the traditional SUVs we get are the Q7 and the bigger Q8. Well, here is the Q6, which confusingly is bigger than both of them. It's based off the uh, MQB Evo platform which is the VW Atlas, which is sold in the States. So it's a seven-seat, three-row SUV. And over here in China, it's built with a uh, state-run or state-funded company, SAIC. It looks like your traditional Audi, but in fact, it's got, again, a full-width LED front light bar. It's finished in a kind of child's greeny poo brown with a chrome blade on the side and uh, 
Yeah, it's a good looking but absolutely ginormous Audi SUV. Uh, next to that is an Audi A7 long wheelbase. Long wheelbase, big in China. Everything here, actually, on the stand, everything has a long wheelbase to it. Uh, they like to stretch out. They like to stretch out and be driven in the back. And as I walk past that, there's Lincoln in the room. Ah, Jaguar, Land Rover, an actual Defender. The copyrighted design of Jerry McGovern. And there's a Hummer. EV with all its doors and windows off, 1,000 horsepower, absolutely mad thing. I'd recommend if you want to see a review of that, go on to Top Gear's YouTube channel now and see our new American-based series, Cars and Stripes, where Jack Ricks, uh, we drove that f to Baghdad, not Baghdad, Iraq, Baghdad, uh, Arizona, and a copper mine there for a big road trip in a big SUV. And next to that is Cadillac with the uh, Celestique, their new hyper-luxury car. This thing, I haven't actually ever seen one uh, in the flesh. Oh my God, it's a whopper. It, is, it looks longer than a Rolls-Royce, I'm not sure. Very curious styling on the back end. Uh, it's got a sweeping roof line. Very small glass area, um, making it long and sleek. But then the rear three-quarter is uh, blocked off with body panels, which is slightly odd. But in, in it is uh, four seats and a giant boot. And these, this is meant to be Cadillac's Rolls-Royce rival. Remember, back in the day, Caddy was America's Rolls-Royce. And uh, this is the modern take on it. It's also massively expensive. I think it starts at $240,000, which is uh, a lot of money for a Cadillac. But it does look pretty cool as we move on and I see, oh, now this, this, this is a badge that we don't, we don't get to see at European motor shows. It is a, uh, an Asian screaming flaming chicken of Toyota's Century brand. It's the gold Phoenix logo seen on, we've gone from, from one uh, nation's Rolls Royce to another. This is Japan's Rolls Royce, the Century. Uh, but here, the car for the imperial and royalists of Japan and high society has now been put in SUV form. So it's a jacked up century, which uh, is finished in a pearlescent white. And because of all the kanji behind it, I could have mistaken as a Chinese knockoff brand, but it's not. I do believe this is the actual official Toyota Century, which it looks very much like a Cullinan, possibly a bit better than a Cullinan, but it's a huge SUV with big leather seats. On, a tr on an old Century, you used to be able to lounge through the back by the center insert of uh, uh, the passenger seat. You could kick through that and stretch your legs out in the 1980s Century, where I don't think you could do it in this one because they've just put enough room in the back that you can lounge anyway, especially if you are the average height of a Japanese businessman. Next to that is Lexus. And we do have the LM. Ah, I was talking about MPVs. This is our the giant grilled one that we get in Europe uh, and elsewhere. You'll be probably seeing footballers around the, uh, around the nation being ferried during transfer deadline day as there are two men in the back, lounged in the back, and an absolutely massive screen. 
uh, which makes the new BMW i7s look like a 1970s television. It's the full width of the car. There is a private partition between driver and passenger. So, and a rather fluffy carpet. And next to that is the new Lexus GX. This is the Lexus's, uh, the Lexi Land Cruiser, new Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser rebody. It's Lexus version, more luxurious, and it's finished in a sandy brown, which is absolutely delicious, if I'm honest. It looks phenomenal. If you haven't seen the new Land Cruiser, check out Top Gear's YouTube channel now. Tom Ford walks you around it. It is a great looking bit of kit and something that will probably go anywhere you can imagine. As I walk past a anime forest full of teddy bears in hats and chickens, chickens in coats, this is very bizarre. Uh, I'm gonna go find some more manufacturers. We need to go find some more Chinese manufacturers because we are in China and uh, the Chinese market is growing 36% year on year, so there's got to be some more cars that I can look at, some Chinese brands that I don't know about. So I'm going to go find another haul. I'll see you in a bit. You join me about 400,000 steps on my Fitbit later as I'm in a different haul, uh, which is again full of more Chinese brands that I haven't heard of. There's Chan Jin. Tank, which is basically feels like Chinese Jeep, and then there is a name that I've heard of, Neo, where I'm currently standing. With all of these brands, a lot of them are going into the Nordic countries first if they are coming over to our shores because of various tax subsidies and uh, legislation that have got huge numbers of EV buyers in those countries. And it's easy for a lot of these Chinese manufacturers to set up offices there and bring cars over. But Neo, where I'm currently standing, is a bit unique because instead of the traditional plug it in and charge the battery uh, way, of, um, way of working, when uh, instead of using petrol, you're using electricity to power your car, they have battery swapping, where you go to a station, like a petrol station, but it's full of batteries, and instead of waiting you know, an hour, depending on your charge speeds, or everything here seems to be at 600 kilowatt charging speed, so monstrous numbers of, um, of, of, of electricity being fired into the battery, so you can get from 10 to 80% in as low as, you know, 10 minutes in some cases. Here you just turn up, you feed your car to, a, to an attendant who puts it on machine, it gets lifted up, they unscrew the battery, it drops out, they put another one in, and then eight minutes later, you drive off. Now, this may seem like a bit of a pipe dream example of you know, potential technology, but it works. And I know it works because when I was last in China, I drove from Beijing to Shanghai using just battery swapping, which when everyone complains about range anxiety and road trip speeds of having to sit and wait for your car to charge or arriving at a charger and it's not working, it's basically the same length of time that it takes to fill your car with petrol and have a leak, buy a packet of crisps and get back in again. It also made me think about this could be the option for you know EV drivers in London where a lot of people don't have off-street parking. It isn't easy to charge, no matter how many plugs they're now putting in lampposts. But imagine, because people don't do big mileage, if you were just to book in at the battery swap station 
once a week, a bit like how you book in your shopping if you get your food delivered. And then you book your slot in, you drive your EV there, you go and change your battery, swap to a new one with 100%, gives you a couple of hundred miles range, which you may or may not use over a week. And then it just answers that solution, potentially. You can still charge the car, obviously. But yeah, it's just a, an interesting way of um, getting rid of that range anxiety. And when our charging infrastructure isn't as good as others, battery swapping may be a possibility. However, Neo are the only company currently doing battery swap technology. And for others not to be, uh, be doing it shows that there may be the um, belief that it's not the right answer. However, I don't think it's a bad one. So we'll have to see if others pick up on that. And then opposite Neo, we've got Aura. Ah, we know about Aura. They are famous for the Aura Funky Cat, which uh, we ran in, the, ran in the Top Gear garage as a long-term test car, our first Chinese long-termer, which is basically the new Mini underneath. Uh, it's a JV BMW and Aura have together. And here, they have cars which are exactly the same as a VW Beetle. Uh, I don't know what they're called. It must have a funny name of some sort. It's the Ballet Cat. It's the Ballet Cat, I believe. It's written down the side of it. Yeah, it's uh, they're very pastiche, throwback, beetle-shaped. Uh, they're in various different pastel colors with white surrounds. In the old school 2CV, uh, Citroen 2CV paint schemes. I thought Aura was on to good things, but this is a bit of a step backwards of uh, Chinese car manufacturers. If you remember in like 2008, in the 2000s, where Chinese manufacturers were just ripping off Western cars and then doing them a bit poorly. It was actually just after that, the, the whole game changed when the Chinese government said, hmm, we need to kind of be a, ahead of the game, not behind. So let's leapfrog everyone and get massively into EV technology. So from 2009 onwards, that's when they started doing, you know, very big tech pushes and giving big subsidies for companies to produce EVs and, and technology. And that's why they have gone so far ahead of other manufacturers. But here at Aura with these slightly janky Beetles, feels like a bit of a step backwards. But I assume they're all electric underneath. Everything else seems to be. And oh my God, it's got a... Diamante-style gear lever and, yeah, rather chintzy interior. Not really one for us, I don't think, these ones, but uh, let's move on to probably my last tool before I pass out, a thoroughly parched man, and uh, see what we have there. So, yeah, if you're still hanging on, I hope you're learning something. I don't know, I'm just running around slightly sweaty in a hot and humid environment, trying to, trying to untangle the symbols to work out what the names are but maybe there's some useful information who knows but if you need something to go to sleep to keep listening because i'll keep rabbiting on as i go past arc fox whatever that is speak to you in the last talk just being caught up in slight pandemonium as one of china's big tiktok stars who's probably got four billion followers has just gone past to unveil a car i have absolutely no idea who they are but they must be good at either singing or dancing around. But as I, uh, as I walk through to the final hall, I've been past Lee Auto, who is another big brand here who've launched the, the Mega, which I recommend Googling. It's a bit like an MPV Cybertruck. Uh, actually, not a bad piece of design. 
uh, as there's quite a few bad bits, but there's also, uh, we went past Zika, which is Geely's kind of premium luxury brand, and Lincoln Co. They're actually, you, on their stands, you can see that there's a bit of money going on there, all with the standard affair of uh, a sports sedan, an MPV of sorts, an SUV, a slightly faster one, a slightly slower one, a slightly more EV one. It's the kind of same cut and paste of, of models. There was the Honchi, Honki, don't really know if I'm allowed to say that, if I can, but uh, there's the, the premium, think Bentley, Bentley of China and Hi-Fi, who do the Z or Z, not really sure how you pronounce it. People are probably running out of numbers of, uh, of, of what they can call cars here and pronunciations. But uh, yeah, that's a real mishmash of a Nissan GTR. Again, has crazy horsepower numbers, fully electric, and uh, yeah, a bizarre looking thing. I would go Google that if you can. Um, I finished up uh, quite handily at Xpeng, who is a tech company who's got into cars. A bit like BYD, I didn't mention earlier. BYD is actually a battery company. So they've actually been going a lot longer than you would think. They've been going for 20 odd years. They used to produce uh, the batteries that went in your Nokia phones and laptops and other bits. But they hold the key to a lot of the underpinnings for many of these cars with their blade battery. Xpeng, which I think is pronounced Xpeng out here, they are another really big player, really being pushed hard. They've just released the X9, which is their MPV. There's the G6 and the G9, which is a bigger variant, kind of a five series variant. Everything here, I think if it's a G, it's a saloon. If it's a P, is it? I don't know, I've run out of the letters. I'm going a bit mad. But there's a, there's a letter for SUVs, a letter for saloons. But more interestingly, there is also a flying car here. Yes, Xpeng make a flying car. And I know this, because I actually sat in it earlier, but also went to their factory and saw it fly. This is part of the huge EV toll uh, industry, which is the uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing for side of aviation, which is set to grow. Basically, it's meant to be a halfway house between uh, your scooter, your electric scooter, and a helicopter to fly around cities about 500 feet in the air and buzz around all electrically. Think of a DJI Mavic drone or something, but just you can put two people in it. They can, they're actually being used here already, a bit like the driverless car that I arrived in. These flying drones with human capacity are being produced and are actually fascinating. They're blimmin' loud, I can tell you that, as you've got to uh, move a lot of air to get them off the ground electrically. So they're not silent, that's for sure. And they look rather terrifying, considering that they've got double-stacked rotors, four, four on each side, so eight rotors in total that uh, rotate in opposite directions. And they're, when you're sitting in the pod, at neck level. So where you normally duck for a helicopter, you basically turn into a extreme level of fruit ninja if anything was to go wrong. But Xpeng are taking it very seriously. Actually, in fact, a lot of people are taking it seriously. Hyundai are also currently playing with EV tolls too. They've hired very, very brainy people from NASA and Americans uh, Aviation Federation and stuff like that to try and make this technology happen. It's super exciting, also terrifying at the same time, but flying cars, they could be happening. But Xpeng, 
and China, the rate of progression that they have, have already gone to the next thing where they've made a modular design, where they've made a six-wheeled van which holds a flying human drone in the back of it. So you think of like a VW camper, which is slightly extended, which holds a drone in the back. So you drive to your destination. There's a kind of camper set up in the middle. You pull your flying device, your drone out the back, and then you just fly around your destination. So, you know, if you're in England, drive to the Lake District, park up, pull your drone out, get flown around, and then go have a tin of baked beans, uh, the camping stove, and stay in your van. It sounds mad, but it'll probably come out in about 18 months' time, given the, uh, the speed of turnover here in China. And then under the flying car here on the stand, which is suspended with its spinning blades, is a robot, because obviously you're not a tech company nowadays if you're not doing everything, or a car company to be honest with you, but if you're a tech slash car company, the, the, the lines are being blurred. If you're not making cars, scooters, robots, flying cars, who are you? Plus all the driverless technology, AI, and everything that goes along it. It's not so simple as throwing an engine in a chassis and putting a gearbox on it and some wheels and driving nowadays. You've got to do all these things and more and then produce it in the metaverse all over again digitally. It's mad. The whole thing is mad, um, but it has been an incredibly insightful trip. I hope you've learned something. It's probably been a tad boring, but you know, we're trying to, trying to enlighten everyone. But you'll hear me next back in the studio with Jack, and then uh, hopefully I can bring some of the future back with me and possibly a flying car. But remember to subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. Check out all of our new videos on the YouTube channel and the latest news on topgear.com. There may be a few bits from my time in China on there, as there's plenty to write about and plenty to report about back at home. So I'm going to leave you as I go and try and hunt out some, some mysterious food and find an ice bath to put myself and my trotters in. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. 